WP Talk, the Wealth Professional Podcast. Mackenzie's sustainable fixed income, powered by forward-thinking experts and an innovative ESG model, can help you diversify portfolios and make a real impact. Visit mackenzieinvestments.com forward slash innovation to learn more. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with investment funds. Please read the prospectus before investing. Investment funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Le revenu fixe durable de McKenzie, propulsé par des experts tournés vers l'avenir et un modèle ESG novateur, peut vous aider à diversifier votre portefeuille et à exercer un impact réel. Visitez le site placementmackenzie.com oblique innovation pour en savoir davantage. Les placements dans les fonds peuvent donner lieu à des commissions de vente et de suivi, ainsi qu'à des frais de gestion et autres. Veuillez lire le prospectus avant d'investir. Les fonds de placement ne sont pas des placements garantis. Leur valeur varie fréquemment et leur rendement antérieur peut ne pas se reproduire. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of WP Talk. I'm your host, James Burton, Managing Editor of Wealth Professional Canada. For this episode, it's my pleasure to welcome Travis Foreman, a Senior Vice President with Harbourfront, who runs a successful wealth management practice and manages the Rockridge Private Debt Pool and Forsyth Private Real Estate Portfolios for Willoughby Asset Management. We chat about how Travis built his practice, why he feels his personality is the perfect match for the profession, the current inflation challenges, and what drove him to start the debt pool, which is set to crack $1 billion in AUM this month. Over to you, Travis. One of the things that I've learned about myself is I tend to you know, dive right in into the deep end and take things, you know, take it on um, with everything I've got. But then I also get bored. You know, once I've kind of, you know, kind of summited the mountain for the challenge or whatever it was, Uh, then it was kind of be like, well, what's next? And the great thing about financial services, and I knew, you know, of course, it was more speculation going into it, but uh, it keeps you on your toes. The, you, you, there's, there's so many things that play into wealth management and the, the, the markets, and it just is never, it's never uniform creating a financial plan or a portfolio. Uh, there's always X factors and it's always evolving. You always got to play the audible and, uh, And it's been exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how did you go about building your practice and, and your, your book? So, well, trial and error. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I, I learned, and I'm not sure which one of my business mentors may have mentioned it, uh, but, you know, is obviously just invest back into the practice. You know, when you're early in your career, getting that first BMW seems as a real important goal to a lot of people or what have you. But, uh, you know, we went the opposite direction and, and continued to invest and invest. And, you know, there's a, we had some good returns on investments, a bad return on, on investments and growing the business. Um, you know, I would say the most successful thing was right out of the gate was getting the, you know, an assistant, you know, at the end of the day, you know, freeing up that time, you know, and, and, cultivating relationships and spending it on the, you know, the, the wealth management side versus the infrastructure side um, out of the gate was, was critical because you need to get to a critical mass of assets under management 
in order to have the business continue to grow without starving to death out of the, you know, at the yeah. beginning of your career. Yeah. Uh, so that worked out really well. We marketing, you know, I'm not afraid to market. Uh, we tried everything, you know, traditional centers of influences at the beginnings with lawyers and accountants and things like that. Um, one of the things that we did re- at the early, you know, I started in 1999. It was a tough, tough uh, go, obviously, in the early 2000s. And we had to we had to pivot. And so what we started was a, we called the Corporate Workshop Series. And we said, we actually started going into you know, corporations all over the lower mainland and educating their staff on the fundamentals of financial planning. And ultimately that turned out to be a huge success. Um, you know, hundreds of seminars later, uh, you know, uh, kind of honed in on my public speaking talent and that naturally evolved from corporations to health authorities to, um, you know, we worked with the, the CGA association, giving them CE credits. And then now it's evolved into, uh, you know, public speaking in, in an auditorium format to large groups of people, say about a hundred plus. Um, and it's, 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 it's been good. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So, I mean, did you, what's your typical client now, if you have, if you have a typical client and has that changed over the years? Yeah, it definitely has. You know, I think one of the things that you do in this business is you're always striving to improve. You know, one of the things that's important to us is, you know, staying current, staying relevant uh, and education. Um, And then naturally, as your tenure goes by and you're improving yourself and your, let's say your pedigree is growing, um, you kind of, your clients naturally evolve with that as well. So, you know, in my first few years of my career, would be almost anybody who's willing to work with me would become a client. And now, you know, we have a particular skill set that would be, you know, I would say a little more advanced than, uh, than most in Canada. And therefore we tend to work with higher net worth, you know, uh, clients that have more sophisticated wealth management needs. Well, now you, you might've answered this already, but I'm just going to backpedal slightly. Um, you know, we get. A, I speak to a number of sort of young, younger advisors. Um, um, one of the biggest things I think on their mind is always, you know, how do you how do you start and how do you build up that that AUM so you've you can carry on. Now you talked about infrastructure. Is there anything else that you'd sort of say to a to a younger version of yourself in terms of how to start and how to put in place the foundation for a, for a successful practice? I mean, the, the industry's changed, you know, over the years. I've been doing this 22 years now, um, and it's quite challenging. I think that now really is joining a team, if you can, you know, uh, like a, a larger wealth management practice and becoming a, a you know, an important wheel, wheel, cog in the wheel of that. And then ultimately hoping, uh, working towards a succession plan with an advisor that's transitioning out into retirement. Another way to go about it, I would always recommend is saying, hey, you know, start uh, becoming, honing in on your relationships at a branch level advisor uh, role and doing financial planning work there and then evolving out of the branch into, say, an independent firm or upstairs with the wealth management program, um, say, like, from, like, keep it easy, say, from an RBC branch level to Dominion Securities and then hopefully pivoting those relationships with you as you will go upstairs. Um, those would be, you know, my two recommendations to to have a successful start in the business right now. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, c- correct me if I'm wrong. You were at IG for a number of years before moving to Harbourfront um, about five years ago, six years ago. Six um, years ago, yeah. Six years ago. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you wouldn't mind just, you know, what sparked that move and, and what, why did you make it at that particular time? Um, well, without without knocking the competition, I mean, you know, I yeah. basically, it's a, it's a, we'll talk about a value proposition. So, you know, again, through at Investors Group, I was evolving, you know, my career was evolving, my education was evolving, my skill set was evolving, and I started to outgrow, outgrow the platform that was there, okay? And so I was the only licensed, you know, IROC advisor in BC at the time, and I just felt, you know, it was time for me to leave the Investors Group nest, if you will, it's just, there just wasn't enough infrastructure and support of where I was going with my business. Uh, I know they've evolved since, so I'm not, you know, again, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not knocking the competition, but it was time for me to leave at that particular moment. Um, and then, so therefore, so there, where do, you, where do you go, right? Do you go to a big bank firm? Do you go to an independent firm or, or what have you? And we were working with some consultants and, you know, spoke with many, uh, many organizations and Harborfront was, you know, a natural fit for for me in the sense that you know i had a previous relationship with danny popescu the ceo uh so you know we were always we had dialogue for the you know for many years um but then when you really looked under the hood at harbor front it was a collection of top talent from different firms across canada of you know i always say you know it's harbor front's a paddock full of thoroughbreds and you know why wouldn't i want to, to be involved with that kind of pedigree because I can only continue to learn more and improve my skill set and, and, and have a more successful business. So um, so that's why I left and that's why I found Arborfront. Yeah, okay, excellent. And just honing back into your practice, what do you think you know, sets you apart maybe from, from some of your competitors or maybe other people in the, in, in the market? What, I, I, I hate to use the cliche secret source, but <laughs> what's your secret source, Travis? <laughs> well, <laughs> You know, I'll answer that in two ways. So I'll talk to Harborfront first, ultimately, and then it circles back into, uh, you know, our secret sauce. So, again, the great thing about Harborfront, you know, it's it's a boutique firm, and and we love that size. It's malleable uh, in the sense and innovative, and it has the right talent, as I spoke to, so it can execute, okay? Uh, you can have great ideas, but if you can't execute, an idea is just an idea, right? So... So that's one of the things I really like about this firm. And, you know, basically we saw some headwinds in the markets. We'll probably talk to in some other questions, um, it, you know, back in 2017. And we all have short memories, but interest rates actually went up. You know, right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and they, you know, and then, of course, that's bad for long term income. And so, you know, as a business owner, a fiduciary for clients first, you're like, well, we need to we need to find a solution for 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 uh, for public income and uh, for the client and of course the business and then that's being a partner of the firm of course you know protecting the firm and so well with that being i'll bring this full circle is so when we take a look at saying what well, you know how do we fix this portion of the problem we went to the world's most prudent investors being pension plans and endowment funds what are they doing and well lo and behold they're not really using public income or even public equity for that matter they're heavily they have he- healthy allocations to private investments being real estate, credit, uh, equity, or infrastructure, what have you. And so the great thing about Harborfront, again, being, you know, having passion to do the right thing for clients, and the rest just simply comes, success will come if, if, you're, if you're approaching the clients with ex- excellence. 
And so we said, well, we want to mimic what the, these pension plans are doing. It doesn't exist in a retail-friendly format. And so therefore, we'll have to make it for retail. And ultimately, we created a, uh, a private debt fund, a private real estate fund, and a private equity fund. And, uh, and as you know, I'm the, you know, the architect and portfolio manager for those strategies. So that's a little, that's my secret sauce, I guess. For Yeah. Yeah, no, that's terrific. So, I mean, how did, obviously you wear a couple of different hats there. Um, you know, that, that sounds like, uh, you, you're taking on a lot, but obviously with a clear plan in place, you know, what, what, what was the catalyst for, for, you know, putting those other offerings together and, and taking that on? Um, well, I get just doing the right thing for the client. Um, yeah. and so, you know, it, it didn't exist in a retail format. So it, as, as I said earlier, I kind of jump into the deep end and we'll tackle. There's a never know. We'll always figure out a way. And, uh, and so it was a great puzzle for me to solve. And, uh, and, you know, we took it on. We've, uh, you know, I think we're going to crack a billion dollars in private AUM this month. And it's been, you know, four great years on the private program. And um, it was a puzzle that needed to be solved. And it's just part of my personality. So it worked out really well. All right. So how does that, um, you mentioned there, like potential headwinds. I mean, let's kind of bring it up to the present day. Uh, maybe you can tie into some of how that, how your approach um, is, is dealing with that or, or will deal with that. But, you know, broadly speaking, then at the moment, we've just come out of a pandemic there's a war in Europe. I mean, what are what is top of mind for you right now in terms of headwinds for your clients' money? I guess the the number one thing the number one thing that we're most worried about is inflation. Okay, um, you know we we actually have a presentation coming up in, a, in two weeks about how to inflation proof your portfolio, and um, you know because you know basically as interest rates rise, you know the risk free rate of return gets to a level. That people will accept, and then that money moves out of you know the markets and into you know the secure bank uh, programs. Um, so that's you know that's bad for the public equity side. You know, of course, as interest rates rise, but you know that has downward pressure on um, on long term income. So inflation is just kind of right now. There seems to be a positive correlation to you know a negative return to portfolio on equity and and on income with inflation. So the biggest thing that we do with, a, with our portfolios is a healthy allocation to private credit and private real estate. Private credit has very short duration loans. Typically the NAV doesn't even move. You're just capturing the yield and most lo the loans will be basically floating up with a floor. So therefore if interest rates rise, it's a positive thing in the private credit space as well. Uh, so it's a great way to inflation-proof that fixed income portion of the portfolio. We love private real estate as well to, to inflation-proof the portfolio. Typically, rents seem to rise with inflation. Um, and, and so therefore, it's a great asset class. So you're still in equity, you know, with the private real estate side. We like being in equity because traditionally, that's where the juice is on the squeeze for, for allocating. Uh, but you're in private equity, which I say is in private real estate equity, which largely eliminates sensationalism uh, and irrational investor behavior. Uh, so it's uh, so it lowers the standard deviation of the portfolio overall, and it's the perfect hedge against inflation and rising interest rates for the, for the portfolio. Okay, and and what about uh, the, the 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 war and the geopolitics? I mean, is that something that factors in, or is that more headline 
noise from your perspective? I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit more of a headline. You know, they say we've, yeah. we've been here before. We know what it looks like afterwards. It does create short-term volatility, 100%. And, you know, for people entering into a longer-term position, it could create an opportunity as far as, you know, finding attractive uh, prices to get in at. Um, but it isn't something that we're too overly concerned with with our asset allocation. We're more focused on the, the impact of inflation. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So obviously we've had two years of um, a pandemic, um, which, well, who, fingers crossed we're emerging from. Um, ne- never, obviously say never, but I mean, apart from the remote working side of things, what impact did it have on on how you went about your business, maybe how clients interacted with you or their fears and questions? So COVID was interesting in the sense that everybody had to innovate. And one of the things that we like to do is be transparent and be educators. You know, we feel strongly in the fact that an educated client is actually a more profitable client because they know what they own and they're going to call in with less questions. Okay. So, so it's actually an easier business to run. And so therefore we actually upped our communication significantly. We have um, a market-based piece that goes out on public market and private market on a bi-weekly basis to our clients, which we weren't doing prior to COVID. We have a lender's report because we had historically low in, uh, lending rates and we were encouraging everybody uh, to restructure their debt stacks, however that may look. And that goes out on a once a month basis. We have the protection report, which is more of an insurance focused piece that goes out to our clients on a, on a monthly basis as well. So basically we're communicating every single week with our clients. And so we, that was really enhanced because of COVID. Um, the other thing that happened and believe it or not, is our business grew significantly. Uh, we never wanted to be, be tested with my private investment thesis saying it's lack of correlation to the public markets and so forth, you know, increase, increase the stability of the portfolio without sacrificing return with a healthy, healthy allocation of private investments. That's been our thesis from day one with the privates, but we never wanted to be validated with a pandemic, but it happened and it was validated. Um, and they, especially through the, what I call the COVID collapse of Q1. And so, and so what happened was it created a lot of uncertainty for everybody else out there um, that doesn't have a heavy exposure to, to a private allocation. So we became very popular because our results were stable and, and, quite, uh, and quite impressive through 2020 and 2021. Our business actually grew last year, uh, was it 51%? We have an wow. average, average growth through pandemic of well over 35% uh, per year. And, um, you know, and then what else has COVID has done, interestingly enough, is we all had to lean on technology for client servicing, whether it's Zoom or, or we use Zoom mostly, so I'll talk to that. But I mean, there's tons of them out there. Um, and I found that when, when a client would drive across town to come meet you in your office, there's a certain amount of dialogue that happens in a meeting that, you know, that because it's a, you know, a face-to-face interaction, there's an effort gone to get there. Whereas I found with the Zoom meetings, you know, people just get to business right a lot quicker. Uh, you're on and off a Zoom meeting. We became doubly as product, productive in the sense that we could service double the amount of meetings because of technology. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, you know, it's been a blessing in disguise in, in a lot of ways. Do you, 
um, anticipate similar growth moving forward or, or do you, are you sort of moderating expectations? You know, I'm, I asked just because many people are, you know, in terms of just the market are, are, are expecting, you know, returns to kind of um, be tempered slightly. Yeah, so there's two ways that we could talk about growth. There's the return on the port on the on the portfolio, and then there's you know new relationships that are cultivated and, and uh, that come onto our our practice. Yeah, uh, do I think that the returns are going to be as lucrative as they were over the last two years? Unlikely, you know. But uh, but again, with our healthy allocation of privates, you know, the publics will do what they do. Okay, but because we have about a 50% weighting to privates, that's largely insulated from that volatility. So we're still expecting to, to do what we would normally do with our clients' portfolio. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but with maybe not as attractive returns for the last two years uh, with through COVID there. Uh, moving forward, though, on a practice management basis, we expect to continue to grow at a very high level. Uh, well, so far this year, I believe we have net new uh, deposits of over 13 million. Our target was going to be 40. I think we're going to bump that up to about 60 million in new deposits this year. Um, and again, and so what we're doing there is saying, you know, go use your word secret sauce. We do have the secret sauce. We're, we're, we're reducing volatility of the portfolio. Our slogan is prudent, probable, and predictable. And that works very well for the market that we're, we're going for, which is basically a higher net worth retired market. Um, and so we're going to keep increasing awareness, uh, you know, through our, our dinner events, our auditorium events and so forth. But in, but we never want to sacrifice client service experience. So my team is my wealth management team is called Strategic Private Wealth Council at Harborfront. And so we're continuing to add to strategic private wealth. So therefore, we can we can continue to help more and more Canadians and, and change their retirements for the better without cl- sacrificing uh, client experience. Thanks for joining us for this episode of WP Talk. And thanks also to Travis for his time and insight. For more WP Talk episodes, go to wealthprofessional.ca, click on the resources tab and select WP Talk. The site also includes all the latest news and views from the industry. And if you haven't already, feel free to sign up to our daily newsletter. I'm James Burton. Until next time.